You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you've got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you, you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to the Magna Method Podcast, and I'm very fortunate to sit down today with Miss Jacqueline Kaysen, Anatomy at 1220, personal trainer, Reebok athlete, and BPI athlete. Welcome to the show, Jacqueline. Thanks, Mark. Jacqueline, I've known you for many years now, and I know that you're a hardworking trainer. This is your life. This isn't a, a job you do uh, as a part-time gig. This is something that you take very seriously, and you're trying to do everything you can in the field of fitness and wellness. Talk to me about your start and tell everyone that's listening who Jacqueline Kaysen is, where she's from, where she's from and a little bit of your background. <clears throat> I'm uh, born and raised in northern New Jersey. I was an athlete pretty much my whole life. Uh, my father owned a fitness and wellness company, and I was very fortunate enough to be brought up in the industry. And since I was in elementary school, when you know people were, you know, going to summer camp and camps as a kid, I was starting off to sweep floors and filing and doing as much as I can to learn about the business, even though I was a little kid. I just always knew I wanted to be in fitness and health and wellness my entire life and just took the necessary steps to get to where I am today. Understood. So growing up, you were, you were athletic and you were always good at sports, not good at sports. Tell us the truth now because you're athletic now. You're very fit now. It's your life now. But some people were great athletes or moderate athletes or fairly athletic. How was it for you? Were you a solid athlete growing up? I was really lucky. I think genetics definitely play a huge part. My father was a collegiate runner. He ran at Villanova. A, um, a sprinter, cross country. He, he ran the events that I did. He was uh, really good at the 400, so they called him the case in quarter. And that was actually my best event. And my mother was a professional ballerina. So the genetics were definitely there. And as a kid, it kind of started off where it was about to rain. My father asked me to go get the mail from the mailbox. And I sprinted to the end of the driveway. I grabbed mail and I came back. And my parents divorced when I was two. And it was a pretty bad divorce. They weren't speaking. You know, they were only speaking through lawyers. And at the time, my father couldn't believe, I guess, how fast I was. I didn't realize because I was such a young age. And then he ended up actually picking up the phone to call my mom, which was a really big deal, and said, you know, Phyllis, I think uh, our kid's pretty quick. So I went to see my, you know, my mom the next day. My mom asked me to do the same thing. And she said, I'm going to go for a run. Why don't you come with me? And I think at this time, you know, I was like five years old. And I ran two miles with her. And I really didn't think it was a big deal at the time. I didn't know any better. And she was, you know, in disbelief. She said, uh, you know, you're a runner. And it just took off from there. She started putting me in, you know, races. I started running track when I was in fifth grade. She was the assistant coach, and then I was fortunate enough to have, you know, a trainer at my house and a long jumping coach, and it just went through middle school to high school, and eventually I got a lot of scholarships to college, but I was sick, and that's another story, so I didn't end up running. 
Well, what's that story? Let's hear it. We want to know. It's a long if you if you're open, I'm open minded. It's a long story. <laughs> tell tell us some of the story. Tell us what you want to tell us. They want to know who you are. You have so, a lot of people that are interested in how you've lived your life, how you became to be so fit, and the every all the habits that you have, and how you came to be the person you are today. So, tell us some of that story. So I um I was a pretty decent runner, I could say, in high school. I uh, I have a couple of the school records in high school, and I was placed in state. Uh, to this day, I hold some records. I'm really lucky. And I had 12 Division One full scholarships. And at the time, what happened was I got really sick. I overtrained, which a lot of athletes do. I didn't know what that meant. And I ran 12 seasons in high school. And it got to the point that one day I came down the stairs, I looked at my mom and I said, you know, I literally think I'm going to die. I just was so wiped out and I collapsed. And what I, year, what grade are you in? Are you a this senior was my, or junior? This was my junior year, which was the most pertinent year. Mm-hmm. And what happened was I woke up in a hospital. I had a collapsed lung, upper respiratory infection, mononucleosis. My spleen was swelled up by like six inches it was just one thing on top of the next on top of the next. So what happened was they would give me antibiotics, and I got, um, it was an allergic reaction to one antibiotic. So they gave me something else, and I was allergic to that. They gave me something else, I was allergic to that. So it turned into, I'm already sick, I'm not getting better, and now I'm just getting so much worse. So I was in the hospital for a couple of months, and then once I was out of the hospital, I was homeschooled for four months, and so I missed the end of my junior year, spring season. And it's not like scouts have to come to your school and they, you know, they need to watch you. All you do is send in times and report times. So I missed the most pertinent, you know, uh, track event or season of my life. And then what happened was my senior year, I came out pretty strong. I sent in a bunch of times, got the scholarships. But then what happened was my grades suffered when I was homeschooled because I was exhausted. I had one tutor after the next after the next for how many hours every day. And it was hard playing catch up. And then once you finally caught up, what was going on at that moment? So my grades definitely suffered, even though I had really good times. And so I applied to schools that I could get into athletically, but not academically. Mm-hmm. And so I got a lot of deferment letters. So full scholarships went to deferment letters. And then deferment letters went to rejections. And it got to the point that it was, I didn't care if it was a full scholarship. I didn't care if it was Division One. It was, where am I going to school? And so what happened was UNH gave me a verbal consent that I was in. And I wanted to run there because I broke their records when I was in high school. So it was going to be a nice school. I didn't want to go to a school where I was going from tutor to tutor, plane rides. I wanted to experience college. I wanted to be in a classroom. I wanted a roommate. I wanted to have friends. Because you can't go pro track. If you were to go pro track, you would, you would have already been there. So I ended up accepting UNH verbally. I got the deferment letter, then the rejection letter. And I didn't know where I was going to go to school. The coach, Casey Carroll, told me to apply to an affiliate, which was Plymouth State University. I applied there, got accepted, never even saw the school. The first day I saw the school was the first day of move-in. And I went down to the field house. I asked to speak with the athletic director, and I said, hey, um, I know you don't know me, but I would love to run track here. You know, and I didn't care what 
kind of school it was. I just wanted to run. And pretty much one of the saddest days of my life was they said that they didn't even have a track team. So you, I was, And you didn't know that? I didn't know that. But your intention to go there was just to work on your grades? or you, The intention was to get into a school and then eventually raise my grades up so that I could transfer into UNH, mm-hmm. which was the school I initially wanted to run at. Understood. Understood. And so how did you handle that once you hear they don't have a track oh team? That must have been devastating. And then what's your next move from there? Devastating, to say the least. My grades suffered. I got letters from my school saying that you're basically on academic probation warning. If you don't raise your grades up, you're going to get kicked out of school. And my father called me immediately, who luckily I wasn't on financial aid. He was paying for a school. I mm. was a total brat. Mm-hmm. I didn't appreciate it. And he said, what are you doing? You got to get your grades up. What are you doing that your grades are suffering, uh, doing the freshman party I, thing? No. I mean, typical, but I, I wasn't. I was never a drinker, never did drugs in my life. I just uh, didn't go to class. I slept in or I woke up right before. I, was, I think I was just really depressed. I felt like the I had loss of purpose. Right. What is my purpose? What am I going to do? And when my dad called me, it was like a light switch went on. My grades went up. I ended up uh, playing tennis at the school, snow skiing at the school. And then Casey Carroll actually called me on my cell phone my next semester, asked me if I was planning to apply in the spring. I said something pretty vulgar on the phone, which I definitely should have handled it better. And I said, I would never give you my times. And I hung up the phone. And that was it. And I focused on other sports. Understood. So you pretty much enjoyed college as a student and went through and ended up having a positive experience at Plymouth State, correct? Absolutely. I just, I flipped it on the academics and realized that I would never be a professional athlete, but I knew I had to do something in fitness. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up majoring in exercise science and physiology, totally focused on my grades and then focused on the other sports and, you know, made great friendships. And it turned out to be a great college career. So you graduate from Plymouth State and you go, where do you go from there? Graduated from Plymouth. I was in New Hampshire. I then moved home to work for my father for three months. And our amazing personal relationship turned into a complete business relationship. So I was working for him. I went home when we were at the dinner table. We talked about business. And I, in that time, I lost who my dad was. And that was a big problem for me because that's first and foremost. And I gave you that talk actually before I came to work for you. And I said, I have to have this relationship. And he said, of course, you know, we can talk about anything. And I just tried every angle and I said, dad, it's not working. I want to be a trainer. I want to be in fitness. I want to be on DVDs. I want to be this fitness star. And his company was so successful. I I really thought he was going to kind of hand it to me. I thought I was going to be put on camera. I was going to be the star on the DVD. I was going to be all over TV. And I definitely had the connections to do so. And he didn't let me, He, which I'm really happy that he didn't. I had to work my way up. I'm still working my way up. I'm not there. And so I left. I became a trainer at a local gym in Boston. So I moved out of New Jersey, went to Boston. I was there for a year and a half. I love the city. It was amazing. And I didn't see any growth. I I didn't have a mentor. 
I didn't have somebody that was going to teach me anything. I, I wasn't surrounded by anybody to push me. And I needed that. I was brought up with that with my dad. I missed that. And then my dad moved to Florida. He said, why don't you come down here? Why don't you train in Miami? Give it a shot. I said, why not? And so I moved here. And the very next step was I met you. And that was that was it. But you, firstly, I mean, I met you at, you know, the place we used to work at, uh, a South Beach facility, uh, great gym, great facility. And you were there for how long? Seven and a half years. So that's now Se- nine years ago. Seven and a half years. And, and what was your experience like there? What, what, what was, I mean, you're at a facility, it's uh, this probably almost 3,000 members. What did you learn in your time there? What was, what was some valuable tidbits or things that you could take away from your time there? I learned a lot. Professionally, I learned how to deal with a different clientele. Very what high type end. Of cli- yeah, what type of clientele? Very high do? end, multiple business owners, you know, not someone who owns a restaurant or a hotel, maybe so, which is amazing, but owns like the chains of mm-hmm. people you don't know about, not actors in movies that are well known, the producers. Mm-hmm. Very high end, very well spoken very professional, organized, business-oriented. I learned from every one of my clients. I learned good and bad from my coworkers, good and bad from managers. I, I, I learned so much. Mm. I, I, as much as I, unfortunately, I didn't really agree with certain things. I disliked a lot of things. But I have to be honest, I learned so much that definitely led me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you stay at a place like that for so long because you know that there's great value in everything that you could soak up from all those wonderful experiences. But you start off working in a place like that. Honestly, are you intimidated when you first start? Because there's trainers there. Let's say they have 20, 23 trainers. Five of them are extremely busy. The rest are not. Um you know, you say you take the good with the bad. You, you you learn something from everyone. There's always a lesson to be learned. That being said, you show up. Are you intimidated when you first started? I was absolutely intimidated. I walked into a room. Everybody's good looking. Everybody's fit. They were punctual. They They were dressed well. And when I stood up, you know, before I got there, I, I researched. I'm not just going to go into a job blind. I, I looked up to see what trainers were there. I searched them on the internet. Saw a lot of people with extensive backgrounds, knowledge, some yes, some no. And the first day you get there, you have to speak about your history. And the last thing I was going to do is talk about all these good things that I've done. I was very honest. I said, I'm here to learn as much as possible. I love to learn as much as I can from each and every one of you. And uh, I'll do my best to offer what I have to the team. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because all the things that I thought that I was the best at for me was not. You know, when you listen to other trainers and you see them training clients with that many more years of experience than you, you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And I really thought I learned a lot um, mm-hmm. beforehand. And I just learned a tremendous amount when I was there. Yeah. I think our greatest strength is realizing uh, what we don't know and how much more we're capable of learning. 
you know, so you're there uh, seven years and then you decide to do a few things while you're there. And some of the things that happen while you're there, you, you branch out a little bit. You start working with uh, a few different companies. The first company you started uh, working with, you formed a relationship, was Reebok. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so tell us about how that relationship started. Reebok was looking to have a social media platform, like a Facebook or Twitter, but for fitness professionals, trainers, and group fitness instructors. And what they set up was a platform called Reebok One. And they were looking all around the nation, whether they're private trainers or trainers in corporate facilities, they were looking for trainers in all different backgrounds. Somebody who's really strong in, in CrossFit, Zumba, speed and agility, strength training, resistance training, whatever have you. And they basically contacted the facility I was at looking for certain trainers. And I happened to be one of them that someone uh, recommended. And they actually took my name and I guess they spoke with other trainers from different facilities asking them if they had any recommendations and then my name came up I guess two or three times. So they flew down to meet with a bunch of people. I was one of them. We had an interview, a photo shoot. They asked about programming, clientele, a lot of different information. We sat there for a couple of hours and they handed me a contract right there. And I didn't really know what I was getting into. I just knew I was getting signed with a a global brand. I was really excited. I didn't realize all the relationships that they were putting me with and I'm so happy to be with them. Well, that's a great great opportunity and there's great value in that and and that gives you one of the things that I always discuss which is options just to give you those type of options it's not to say that everyone could do that because that's certainly not the case they're looking for certain people and you definitely fit that uh, their idea rather of what they're looking for which is great so congratulations that's a that's a big deal thank you the other thing that you got into was the supplement world. So you started to work for another company um, called BPI, is that correct? Yes. So tell us about your relationship with BPI and how that started. Well, your, I think, fiance, maybe girlfriend at the time, now wife, she was with that supplement company and she spoke very well of them and I was looking to get with a supplement brand. And I reached out to their athletic coordinator asking if they were interested in hiring any new athletes. And what that means is promotions, writing content, shooting content for their brand. And it's just a field I've always wanted to get into. And I guess I was turned down immediately. They were looking for a certain female look. I didn't fulfill that look. I knew knowledgeably I I could offer them some information and they always look for that they ask for those things but they want a certain look and so I was turned down I was really upset so I reached out out to another company Dimatize and they turned me down for the exact same reason I reached out to another company the same thing happened and I was really upset and I started to look at myself you know who I really was never insecure about my body and I just said to myself what can I do do I have to go that plastic surgery route to have to go down that road I decided no I said I was going to do it the what I call it the right way but there is no right way it's just a, a, a different route and I I really wanted to be with this company and I pushed hard 
I went around the athletic coordinator. I went to the owner. He turned me down. I went to the other owner. And I said, what can I do? What can I offer? And they asked me to write some information about supplements. They asked me to shoot something. I went to their facility. I shot a whole video. I wasn't signed with them. Nothing happened. I guess they were really happy with the content of what I said and how I looked on camera. And I got a contract there in person. I was really excited. So now you have two different platforms, the Rebark platform and the BPI platform. And a lot of the time, these things are, these opportunities are presented. It's not that they're a huge financial reward, but there is a reward to get your brand, your name out there, to get in front of uh, the masses, so to speak. Once you're in front of them, what type of message have you been trying to send? What trying? There's hundreds of thousands of females trying to get fit, fitness, uh, budding fitness personalities. Who are you trying to share your message with? And more importantly, what message are you trying to send? Because now you have these two big platforms. What's important to you now? I think when I first started, it was about getting as lean and as ripped as possible because that's all the questions that I get asked to start off when I first started in the industry. And slowly over time, it completely changed. That market is like a one percentile. You're talking about bodybuilding and all that stuff. I've never competed in a bikini competition. I've never done anything like that. And I realized that it's just about being healthy, get people moving, get off the couch, get into a gym. And now I just want to get people to move, number one, but number two, do it in the healthiest and safest way possible without hurting yourself, overtraining, getting injured. So if I can, one, reach reach out to people, the everyday people just going into a gym and trying to get fit, but also trainers on how to do a better job training their clients, whether that's being better at servicing them or if that's speaking to them better to get them mentally in a better state of mind or to bring them to that next level where they have that sense of achievement, they feel good about themselves. I think that's the most important thing. Perfect. So that segues nicely into a lot of times people show up and they want uh, the aesthetics. They're looking for the, a special body and they want... They're getting ready for a wedding. They're getting ready for a class reunion. They're getting ready for the summer. Uh, females wear their bikini guys to show their abs. How often or how quick does it turn into this person needs to build their confidence? How quickly and how often is that the case? I would say that with almost everyone. Everyone. Almost everyone. Mm-hmm. And they, would you say that they may be the only person in the room that doesn't realize that? It takes a long time for people to realize that. Sometimes it takes a really long time, like a couple of months, and there's like a light switch that goes off, and it's, wow, I didn't even realize that. I think when you're told something for so many years from other people, whether it's a parent, a significant other, a teacher, you get put down for so long, it takes a while to kind of realize that you're maybe not like that. And others, they kind of talk themselves out of it. Mm 
when they're explaining to you what they want and you ask the biggest word, why? Why are you here? Why do you want to look like that? Why do you want to feel that way? It kind of comes out themselves. I don't think they realize it. I think they hear themselves and then they realize it down the road. Mm-hmm. And that's where I call it that that big change, that light switch goes on. Mentally, they're totally different. They're more positive. They're more aware. And then physically, it, it totally changes as well. Mm-hmm. And would you say the majority of your work um, comes from absolutely helping or working with that person to help them almost let their guard down to build that strong relationship of trust because I always often discuss with anyone in the industry if you're a strength coach or personal trainer and you don't pay attention to their mind or the the emotional side of their life and what's going on with their life and how just to tap in to the mental mind frame of each individual that you're working with, you are missing a huge, huge piece of the pie. How much of your work is just mental? Even now, even if someone sees that you've been working with them for a while, you figure out how to talk to these clients, these people that you're training. How often or how much, what percentage of your work is in the mental side, in the communication side? 100%. 100% absolutely. The reason being is because your body follows your mind. So if you're working out alone and you're screaming in pain or you're struggling through an exercise, if you really believe you can do it and push through mentally, the physical side of it always follows through. And what you said was the term a while, when you've been with someone a while. You can sell a training package, it, you know, obviously financially, People are in different positions, but you can sell a package because you're knowledgeable, you're experienced, but you built that relationship right from the start. They trust you. They connect with you. But the way you retain a client for years, in my experience, is because you have that relationship. You have that trust. They trust you. They can confide in you personally, professionally, in the gym. It's an, it's in a vulnerable environment. It really is. And when they come in here... You don't know what's going on through their day and they trust you to to let you know what's actually going on in their life. You better be there for them. That's your job. And it's funny, I'm a uncertified therapist, I feel like sometimes. And I just try to do my best just to listen. Have you ever had any cases where, you know, you're working with someone and it just becomes I would say ninety percent talk and not trained just because you I mean, they're looking for moral support and they're having a very difficult, challenging time in their life. Does that happen? Sometimes, yeah. I've definitely pulled a client out of the gym. I have grabbed a coffee. I said, don't worry about the session. If this is going to be more beneficial than them moving physically, then the next session will be even better and the session after that and the session after that. So if I'm going to hold a session back to help them get through the time that they're getting through... It's more important long-term. It's only going to help them long-term. It's not about the session. And for anybody who got in this industry about money and about sessions and counting sessions, you won't make it. I promise you will not make it. Mm -hmm. It's about the passion, about being there for people, helping them become better for themselves. And, you know, sometimes you can, you know, you can read. Sometimes they want to chit-chat 
and they can move, but if they're not mentally there, I, I promise you they're going to hurt themselves. You're going to ask them to push a weight. They're not mentally there. They're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that being said, of all your years of experience, and I can probably list 12 different strength coaches, trainers, fitness professionals, wellness professionals that I've really found so much value in the way they have taught, instructed, the way they've dealt with people, and just their overall positive influence or sometimes negative influence on uh, the people in their everyday environment. How? What kind of instructor are you? What kind of type of trainer are you? If you had to use three words to best describe you, what words would they be? This is the important stuff. That's hard. That's so hard. Well, your clients would say you are three these three things. What do you think? You don't have to be right. Three words to describe myself. As a trainer. Open-minded. Eager. When I say eager, I mean eager to learn. As well as, I I just want to be, I want to know as much as I can, be the best that I can. So open-minded, eager, happy. Happy. I bring, I feel like the energy. I want to be, I want to change that word, happy to energy. Mm -hmm. I love when I'm actually away from the gym and trainers text me. And they always say, we miss your energy. We miss you being here. That means more to me than anything. That that totally made my day. Because I feel like I'm actually bringing something to the table. I'm not just there taking up space. That's right. like my biggest fear. Absolutely. Energy is a huge part of what we do every day. And most often uh, people come into our lives and, and clients come into our lives and other people in our lives because they want to use that energy. Sometimes in the most positive way. But... Uh, Sometimes also as energy vampires, you have to be very careful of that. <laughs> that, yes. be, that being said, that energy is not always happy. Sometimes it's constructive. Sometimes it's aggressive. But there are moments when you give your clients a hard talking to. What are those moments like? Because how do you describe the way you converse with a client who may be difficult to manage and you're trying to get the most out of them what is your tonality like everybody is totally different and you learn how to manage and speak to each client somebody could be younger and they can think that they know more than you maybe they do maybe they don't but what happens is if you kind of let them think that they will walk all over you they will show up late to sessions they will no show to sessions you have to put out a way to where they need to respect you for your time as much as you respect them for coming in and showing up and a mutual respect mutual respect and it took a long time for me to figure that out especially as a female it's hard and you definitely have to kind of put your foot down speak to them in a certain tone be very clear assertive repeat yourself to make sure the message is clear 
but be positive at the same time. Right. So, I mean, you know, you, you do pass the eye test in regards to being fit and being in shape, obviously, but, you know, I can't imagine how challenging it may be being a female in a profession. I don't know necessarily if it's a male dominant profession, but I do know that you train a lot of men and I bet some of them may feel that they can maybe control the session, call the shots in the session. How do you, um, command respect? Like what, types of things are important if you're talking to a younger female trainer coming up in this industry what would you say is important how would you how would they need to model themselves how would they need to conduct their uh their behavior what's important this is a professional setting and you have to demand it right off the bat so you meet somebody you look them in the eye you give them a very firm handshake i'm not wearing any clothes that, you know, show off certain assets. I'm always in pants or capris. I'm never in short shorts. My hair's up. I don't wear a lot of makeup. I look professional to me. You know, my clothes are ironed. They're never wrinkled. I, you know, I offer them a drink if they would like some water or coffee. I have them sit down, and it starts right from the bat. And it's, again, my tone of voice, how I'm sitting. It's about how I'm literally physically handling myself. And I don't allow the opportunity to show a super feminine side in the sense of I'm playing with my hair. Maybe I'm giggling. I'm not showing a side of flirtation. I'm very serious and I'm very professional and I'm very knowledgeable. And I handle myself accordingly because that's how I would like to be treated. I want to be mirrored that way. And it took a while to get to that position. I was, you know, hit on a couple of times, you know, starting off in my career. And I learned the ins and outs. I learned from mistakes. Did you think that maybe without knowing it, maybe you were, you were leaving yourself open for that, not even knowing it possibly? I, I guess so because, it, honestly, it doesn't happen anymore. Right. So... I, it has to be, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm demonstrating a deadlift before I even start, I ask the person to stand to my side mm-hmm. so that I'm not bending over in their face. I know it sounds silly, but it's true because if you do that, I bet you they'll make a comment mm-hmm. and then you're in big trouble. How are you going to turn that relationship around? Mm-hmm. So it sounds silly. It sounds small. It's definitely an issue. And You know, it's tough to make it as a female trainer. I've been the only one here for the past, you know, year and a half. Mm -hmm. So it's tough. So lots of pressure. You're in an environment that is a lot of uh, um, hardworking males. Do you feel like it's you're treated a bit differently because you're a female? Do you feel you're treated the same what is it like being around your coworkers? Um, talk a little bit about the experience and the camaraderie of the people that you work with or side by side day in and day out in regards to the staff. What is that like? Because I've been in environments where it is not optimal. It's, it's, it's not politically correct, but it's not optimal for women. I don't appreciate the way some women were treated in the past. What is it like for you now? And, and be completely honest. I, I want to hear it. This place is amazing. 
I'm I'm here strictly, well, number one, because you're here. <laughs> um, that's first and foremost. But because you've earned it and you've worked hard. I waited two years for this to happen, so... I was waiting a long time, and I said I didn't care if he opened up a garage or this wellness facility. I said I was leaving before I even saw it. I was hands down 110% in. Um, So I'm here for you. There's no question. Besides that, my teammates are teammates. I've never had a team that wasn't an actual sports team. And... It's so positive. I've never worked in an environment where the door was open and I walked in with a smile on my face. Never. I never woke up and was excited to come to work, excited to see my coworkers, my clients. We're here 14 hours a day. We're here all hours, every day. It's exhausting. It's physically demanding. It's mentally demanding. And I don't complain. I love it. (laughs) I really love it. And I'm the only female trainer here. We have female group fitness instructors, but I'm the only female trainer. And we're all so close. I mean, we're on the gym floor. If a client grabs water, we high five. The trainer that walks by us, we say hello. We'll tell a joke here or there. And it's fun. It's a fun environment. It's very serious, of course, but we have a great time. I don't know how it's balanced. I think you put together an amazing staff. I don't know how you did it. I really don't. But... We're all really good friends. We're friends. Even if I didn't see them outside of the work environment, I trust them. If I were to leave out of town, I trust my client with them. They're a family. I see them more than I see my family. Mm -hmm. You guys mean a lot to me, more than you even know. So, well, I know that everyone feels the same way about you. So, thank you for your hard work. Uh, That being said, you you, you mentioned working 14 hours a day. You work 14 hours a day. You're up fairly early. Uh, tell us a little bit about your day. And, and talk to us. Let us know when you're training. Because I'm going to segue into some training questions as well as how you train yourself personally. Well, my training schedule isn't the best that it should be. It's kind of a hypocrite because I know what I should be doing in, as far as my workouts and recovery. But, but, it, but in regards to your, 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 your daily... Uh, your daily schedule. I mean, Sorry. it's ne- it's never sh- set. It's okay. It's never set in stone. But you know, you're up early. I mean, you don't have to get up at three a.m. to 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 be a person who works hard. But you get up early in the morning. What time are you getting up? Whatever time it is. I'm up at four thirty. I can't get up before that. I don't know how you do it. I just can't. <laughs> so you get up at four thirty. Then you have your first client around when? I have my first client at six. So four thirty. I'm up. I. I read motivational quotes before I even get out of bed. So I'm leaning over. And why? Why do you read motivational quotes? Because everyone's reading motivational quotes. And what really drives me nuts is people read motivational quotes. It's either read them or I listen to speeches Mm -hmm. or a little YouTube link or something like that. Okay. And what does it do for you? It gets me instead of at 4.30 when the sun's down, it's blackout. You're rolling the covers over and you're like, you know, here we got another day. We got another one, you know, something like that. Groundhog's Day. Great. It gets me moving. It it is a very two-minute quick reminder of what I'm doing every day. I have to have a purpose of what I'm doing. 
So it, it gets me motivated to then motivate others. You know, it's hard for people to come in here for whatever reason, and it's my job to get them motivated and to get them to achieve what they want to achieve. So I have to do that for me. I, it's You don't just wake up and psh, I'm ready to go. Maybe some people are. I'm personally, I'm not. I need help myself. And so within that two minutes, that's giving me that like jump of like an espresso and I'm out of bed and it's like, okay, what do I got to do? That gives you a jump, but are you a tea person, coffee person? I was tea my whole life. And then the past year and a half, I'm a coffee drinker. Thanks to all you guys. <laughs> so coffee and then you're, you're in the gym. You start your first client at six. Let's say you do a few back to back. And then you have a afternoon break in the afternoon. What are you doing on your break? Well, emails number one. If I can get a bite in, number two. Um, because when I'm training, I'm working training, but I'm missing all the other stuff that's that I'm missing. Whether it's clients texting me to reschedule, asking questions, you know, about food, their workout. You're emailing me whether it's admin stuff or other companies. I'm sending out content pieces, reaching out to other brands as well. Um, then I said I'll get a snack of some sort or a meal in. If I have time, I have to work out myself. And then there's more sessions I have to be done. And if they're two minutes late, checking email, social media, uh, I'm doing something. I'm not just sitting, I promise. So... I noticed a trend that started here, and it, I, mean, I know it happens other places as well. It's not just here, but you often train with a few trainers on the staff. It might be with training with Eric Story, who's a terrific trainer, or Grant Whedens, who's also a ter terrific trainer. Why do you train with another trainer? You're a professional. You know what you're doing. You don't need to train with someone else. Why do you train with another trainer? Well, number one, I don't have to think. <laughs> I think for me, it's it's my mental break. And it's nice to just show up for once a week to be like, what do you want me to do? Mm. It's really nice. And not only that, they push me. You know, I, I have a mental barrier too. I think I can do something that's really hard and I can push myself in certain ways. They push me in a different way. And I enjoy being around them. I, they're, they have great personalities. They're knowledgeable. They do teach me things too, and I hope I would teach them something. Mm -hmm. So I learn from them as well. And I really enjoy it. I really do. It's once a week, and that's my one hour that is for myself. I guess I could use money for shopping or something else, but I use it for me. So you... you Tell us a little, you train with Eric's story. What, what, what's a training session with Eric's story like? Very different from Grant. <laughs> well, we're going to ask you about Grant as well. What, what's it like training with Eric? Eric? Because he's a great trainer. Eric's but, but a people great. People want to know more about Eric because he's a, he's a hardworking guy, but he's so focused. He's not necessarily going to give himself a ton of compliments. What was it like training with Eric's Eric? Eric's a great trainer. He, he holds you accountable. You want to rest you want to back off a certain weight, he will not let you. I've lifted more weight in my life with Eric than I ever have him on anything. With good form. With good form. 
Um, never in my life did I think I was going to do a 245-pound squat, back squat. And uh, he got me to do it. And it, it, it's so funny. We have this relationship that I just look at him. I don't even need to say anything. And it's just, um, it's not going to happen, Eric. I don't know what you're thinking. And I say it without words. I, it's this look. He looks at me, he looks down, he does this clap routine that he does, and it's kind of like, we're here, um, we're here, we're not moving until we do it, so you just mentally have to prepare to do it, and that's it, you get it done. Very focused guy, extremely focused. So, conversely, what's it like training with Grant? And Grant's totally different. Um, Grant's really smart, he's really knowledgeable. He teaches me a lot of new things that I don't, I wouldn't necessarily think of. He's definitely outside the box. And he's become a really good friend, too. Eric's a very good friend of mine as well. Grant's a really good friend, too. And it's so funny. Mark, you're my older brother, you're my mentor. And Grant is like the brother you grew up with if you had a twin. Where it's like, oh, you want to strangle him, but you love him at the same time. And I could tell him anything about my life. And I know it's not going anywhere. And that's very hard to find. So I really, really trust him. And sometimes it's, I, you know, I look at him like, this is, going, this is what's going on in my life. And he listens, he won't say a word, and he's like, Jacqueline, come on, let's go. And <laughs> It's funny, he doesn't uh, allow you time to talk? He doesn't allow me time to talk either. But at the same point, I always leave the session feeling better. Mm. I worked out hard, uh, my muscles are fatigued, I got a great workout, but it's at the end of every session, I want to give him a hug. I don't know. It's funny because the things that you mentioned that are so important that you would pass on to younger trainers, it sounds like they're just both Eric and Grant are re-enforcing uh, uh, those rules and, and those bonds and those structures that you would advise all trainers to try to develop. It's very interesting. And they're both great, as you mentioned. They're very special people. So that's your training uh you're training four or five times a week correct mm -hmm. and what, what's your nutrition like because some trainers i mean i know trainers i'm not gonna mention any names that eat ice cream and they're shredded what kind type, <laughs> what types of what's your nutrition like what's what is your nutrition like honestly a life i've i mean i've had a nutritionist where it's a very strict upon strict meal plan i've had food delivery services where your meals are cooked and delivered I've cooked myself, I eat out. Life is about balance. And the older I'm getting, the more you're learning that. I, I don't count everything, I don't measure everything. It's not realistic, it's not possible. And coming from a trainer, it's, it's not. I do the best that I can. And it, you know, if there's a photo shoot or something like that, you have to prep more. You have to watch what you're eating. You have to measure things out. There's no question because a company is asking you to look a certain way, and you have to be a certain way. And on camera is different than you how you look in person. 
That's just the way it is. Sorry. You're not one of those people that walks around in a ripped state. You can take pictures at any time. It's not physically possible. You're depleting your body of, you know, water and being as ripped as possible. It's it's physically impossible. You mentally would be drained. You'd be fatigued. I couldn't perform at my job. It's very challenging. Your headaches, your hormones are all over the place. You're being aggressive. You get in fights with people verbally. It's not possible. And What's if you're hard? in a relationship, forget about it. <laughs> it's not so, that hard. It, it's hard. So it's what, hard. What's the hardest part so, for you? So the thing is, it, it's definitely about balance. The hardest thing for me is getting food in. Um, it's not the appetite. I am hungry. But if you have client back to back to back to back, you know, when are you going to fit in your meal? And people say, oh, take fi- 15 minutes here. Take 15 minutes there. I'll, I'll be very honest. If I have something with me, I'll bring it into a bathroom stall. I'll lock the door. I'm standing and eating up. Because if I'm eating, I don't have time to go upstairs. I don't have time to come back downstairs. It takes too much time. Then um, if you're eating anywhere in public, every member, every client, what are you eating? What's on your plate? Can you eat that? I didn't know you could eat that. How much of that can you eat? Did you measure that out? <laughs> it, it's, you know, it's frustrating. I'm here to help. I'm here to always answer questions. But... You know, if I got four minutes to eat, like I said, I'm running to a bathroom stall and, and I'll sit here. I'm 31. And I'm sitting here. I'll look up sometimes and I'm like, one day I'm going to sit down and the food's going to be hot and I'm going to eat a fork, eat with a fork and not a spoon. <laughs> I think the. I'm not complaining, but right. it's the truth. But it's I the think truth. the thing that everyone needs to uh, understand is that. It's really not that bad. I mean, it's, it's actually not. the, the it's profession not. in itself is a blessing. We, I know Jacqueline feels the same way, and I, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I hope I'm not, but it's, you know, to go a couple hours or an extra hour and have to wait before you can eat something, and you certainly don't have to go into a bathroom stall. I mean, you could walk, you know, 20 yards upstairs. I know, I know. But to be efficient, I get it because I've done the same thing. I have zero, zero complaints. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, if I could cut out a client or an hour and, and sit down and do all those things, I could. I'm in charge of my schedule. I'm very lucky to do that. But I don't. And I choose not to because I want to I perform sessions. I want to do well. And if I have these goals and these aspirations, I have to work hard and I have to do those things. And I'll never complain about it because I love my job. I chose my job. I chose to work here. I'm blessed to have the clients that I have, and I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. That's no question. So it's not a complaint. It's just telling the truth. Absolutely. Where do you see the fitness industry going um, as opposed to where it is right now? What changes are do you see happening in the fitness industry? Also, what changes would you like to see? Changes... Not in the best way. I feel like everybody's kind of getting information from social media, from people who necessarily aren't certified, educated, maybe have experience. Maybe they're beautiful, and they are. A lot of girls are very pretty. Guys are very fit, and they have the time. They work out, and they look great. And because they look great and they put up content online, a lot of people just follow that. And maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong. I don't know, but from... My experience and what I believe, I don't know if it's the best option. So I I see the the way of the future in the sense of everything is a quick fix, easy access, getting information very fast. 
when there are other ways to go about it. If you want something online, if you're looking for information, they have valuable sites like bodybuilding.com where they have strength coaches with experience and education like you. They, they're on there and they put out information, videos, content, explanations. If you're that type of person, at least go that sort of route. Really spend the time to do your research than a quick fix on a 15-second video. Mm. That's so, me. I mean, I feel the same way. It doesn't matter who you follow. Follow whoever you choose to. I, I really could care less. But the one tidbit of advice I will say is just qualify the source. You know, uh, a little bit of background work and looking into who that person is, what they studied, how they studied, what they know, what their knowledge base of uh, is rather who they work with and what types of things they're doing and why they're doing them. Uh, you get a feel for their programming and the things that how they move themselves, how they train themselves uh, and do they preach it or do they live it? So definitely qualify the source. Do you follow anyone in particular, uh, any fitness wellness personalities that you like the way they do things and why? Who do you follow? Well, my two people. Um, a female would be Ashley Horner. Mm-hmm. Why? Why Ashley Horner? It's funny because I met her before. No, I followed her. I met her and became a super fan. Ashley Horner is... She's very strong physically. She's a female, and she's physically strong. She's married. She has children. She owns multiple gyms. She's sponsored with multiple brands. She's smart. She's experienced. She's educated. To me, she has the full deck of cards. I admire. I admi- I'm so admired by that because that's what I want to be like. And it's funny because when I met her. I told her all of those things, and she told me, she said, you have to go much higher than me. I'm nothing. And she was so humble and so sweet, and it just made me like her even more. It's definitely uh, a breath of fresh air when you meet someone who is humble in this field or in any field. Who else? You're telling me no, but I have to say it. No. Have to. You can't edit it. It is what it is. Mark Magna. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And I have to answer. <laughs> but uh, there are so many in this field, really. There are, Mark. To but you know what? It's uh, I know you're very humble and you're very sweet and very kind, but it's the truth. And the thing is, the, sh- the social media aspect, it it doesn't show who you are. I, I know who you are. You have amazing workouts. You're experienced. You're knowledgeable. You look great. That's what you see on social media. And I appreciate that, you know, as a fellow trainer because you're truthful and you're honest. But I follow you because of what I just said about Ashley. It's the whole other element. You're married, you're a dog owner, and you own an amazing facility. You put together a staff. I I don't know how you did it. I don't know where you found them. They found you. I don't know how you brought it together. You've created a positive very positive, welcomed environment to work in as well as to work out in. If I was a member, I would be a member here. Um, you know, you've helped me since day one. 
be the person I am. I would be nothing without you. It's the truth. So you are always my two female and male looks mentors. That's the way it is. Well, thank you very much for your kind words. But there are a lot of people that contribute to the success or the ramping of this uh, brand and this or this business. Lots of people, including, of course, um, Chris, Randy, and it's just unbelievable efforts and energy. But that being said, what would you like to pass on to someone who's trying to get in the best shape of their life? They're out of shape. They can't get going. They want to get started. How do you get them going? What first steps should they take? They're looking to you for advice. Someone reaches out to you on social media and they say, hey, man, I want to get in the best shape of my life. Where do I start? I don't even know where to start. To start is to make the actual decision to make the change themselves. And you really can't help them with that because the thing is, if they don't make the decision to really start and to make a commitment, it will work for a little while and it won't work out again. It's kind of that go-go cycle. So you, when they say, you know, I want to get in shape, I want to get started, it's, it always comes down to the word of why. Why do you want to get started? Why do you want to look a certain way? Why, why, why? When you get to the root, the real root of why, they will work towards it and they won't quit. And then it's your job as the trainer not only to help them you know, as I said, with the programming and everything like that, but it's your job to keep them motivated. And it's patience. It took a long time to get to where they're, where they're in that situation. It did not happen overnight. So it's not going to happen overnight to get the quick fix either. And if it did, and if it's very short and very fast, it's not healthy. So it takes patience. It takes time. And you will get there. No matter what, it's going to be hard. That's the point. It's supposed to be. and just takes time, but you'll get there. So what first step should they take? Should they they walk into a gym? They get online? You, you know, you're giving advice to someone who has zero knowledge and doesn't understand where to find the help. They must immense themselves in the environment that they want to be in. So if somebody is looking to be healthy and fit, you're not going out and partying. You're not, you're not putting yourself in the lifestyle. The lifestyle around you is is drinking, staying up late, you know, and that's okay. I'm not saying that's wrong, but you're not allowing yourself to be in that environment. You you have to go to a gym. You have to go to a gym because the thing is when you go to a gym, you're surrounded by it. Like people like-minded are, people, like, right? Like-minded people, like attracts like. So if you start surrounding yourself in that environment, you'll start talking to people, you'll build relationships, friendships. It doesn't even have to be with a trainer. It just could be members. You can go into a group fitness class. You go into a group fitness class, everybody's struggling to your left and right. They're all going through it too. It doesn't matter their fitness level. You're all working the same. So you just keep coming back. Surround yourself in that environment. That, that would be the best way in my mind. Understood. So this is going to segue us into a speed round. I always ask a bunch of questions um, at the end, uh, more or less one word answers. They can be, you can elaborate on them a little bit. But before we start that, what pillars of success would you like to leave our audience with? 
What has helped you get to where you are at this point in your life? Integrity, knowledge, courage, decisiveness, dependability for you. Everyone has their own pillars of success. The Magna Method podcast is focused on figuring out, hearing, learning from all our guests. What pillars have helped you get where you are at this point in your life? You must have a mentor that's going to help teach you. I don't know who has gotten to where they are by themselves. I I don't think it's possible. So you must have a mentor that's like-minded like you, but that will help teach you knowledge and everything else under their belt. Because honestly, at some point, they're not going to be around. So if they're not taking the time to help coach you and teach you, what service did they do? Because at some point, they're not going to be there they left you nothing. So how are how is it going to get passed down? So you have to have a mentor that's going to guide you. And then hopefully you'll be in that position. Hopefully you'll be able to mentor someone else. So mentor to me is first and foremost. You must take your time educating yourself. Whether it's going to seminars, whether it's books, whether it's reading things online. You, there's so much free information out there. It doesn't have to be the best. It could be things you disagree with, but at least be knowledgeable about it and see why people are saying it's so great and make your own assessment, your own judgment based on pros and cons from different sources. So mentor, number one, educating yourself. Number two, uh, being professional and being punctual. Always be on time. And the word I'll always hear from you is follow through if you say you're going to do something do it because without your word you're nothing great rules all great rules um i feel that any young person in any industry would do themselves a great service just finding someone that does the things that they would like to do period and then learn from them. And, and the way it works is I don't believe in finding someone, draining them for information, and just bouncing. The way the cycle of life works, in time, you will be able to help that person, repay that person in a positive way. And whatever, would that individual would not be doing it to get compensation. They're not doing it for a pat in the back. They're not doing it for a thank you. But the way life in itself works is if you can help me and you invest time in me, maybe someday I'll be able to help you in some positive way. I don't believe anyone should help another person to get something back, but that's just what I believe. I couldn't agree more. Leads me to my next question. If you could see one thing, if you could put one thing on a billboard, one word on a billboard, what would it be? Something that's important to you. One word on a billboard. Blessed. Blessed. Fair enough. We'll leave that uh, to the imagination, but I think we all understand what that means. Okay, great. Thank you very much for that, Jacqueline. Now getting to some fun things, the, the lighter things in life. Drum roll. Quick questions. Quick <laughs> answers. Honest answers. This is to have the audience learn a little bit more about you. Okay. Favorite food? Pizza. 
I've never seen her eat a slice of pizza. Oh my gosh, sorry. F- favorite ritual. Favorite what, sorry? Favorite ritual. Sleep. <laughs> favorite pastime. Other than sleep. Skiing. Skiing. Favorite sports team. Celtics. Favorite athlete. Honestly. Of all time? Of all time? You could do of all time and you could Michael do Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson. Yes. We talked about him today in one of my sessions. Did you? Who's not very tall, by the way. He's not. But he has big legs. And Sonia legs. Richardson Ross, if I could do male and female. Okay, but current athlete. Sonia Richardson Ross. Okay, I didn't know that. Favorite <laughs> movie of all time? Ah. Uh, Don't say the notebook. No, never. I have two. And one's a feel-good movie, Mary Poppins, Don't Judge Me. Everyone loves it, and it's cute, and it's funny, and the songs are great. It's a feel-good movie. And my other one, I know it sounds silly, is The Matrix. I love it. That's not bad, The Matrix. Okay. Favorite book? Um, I would say Relentless. I really enjoyed that. Favorite TV show? Relentless by Tim Grover? Grover, yeah. Tim Grover, Michael Jordan, strength coach. Favorite TV show? Of all time, Seinfeld. Absolutely. You can watch the same show a thousand times, and I'm laughing every time. Favorite type of music? Hold on a second. Favorite Seinfeld episode? Oh, my gosh. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. You can't tell us one. <sighs> Favorite Seinfeld episode? There's so many. I really couldn't. All right. Favorite type of music? It depends on the mood. I can't. I like everything under the sun except for country. I could go from Frank Sinatra to Billy Joel to hip-hop to dance. It just depends on what the mood is. Favorite holiday? Halloween. (laughs) Favorite quote? If it was easy, everyone would do it. It's the hard that makes it great. But Woodrow Wilson. That's a great quote. Tell us three things on your bucket list that you would like to happen in the next 20 years. Yikes. Three important things on your bucket list. Be a spokesperson for bodybuilding.com. That's going to expose me to so many other brands that will help me to help others, number one. Number two, speak at a conference like IDEA. That would be huge. Or TED Talks would be even 20 years. So I would say IDEA and TED Talks. You're talking TED Talks this year. Yeah, right. What's the third thing? (laughs) You're so positive. I love it. Um, I really want to do something for you and for my dad. That's the most important thing. You guys, you two have been, you two have made me who I am today. I cannot wait for the day in my life that I could help you in some way. And I don't know what it is. And that's the thing. I don't know what it is. But something where it was like, Jacqueline, I need that, please. Or without asking and it happens, 
and I'm able to do it. I think you can help your dad by continuing to doing, doing what you're doing and working as hard as possible, following through and fulfilling every bit of potential that you do have. I think that's how you repay anyone, to be quite honest. I really believe that. Last question. This is a tough one. If you could have dinner with any person living today, other than your mom or your dad, or who would that be? Any person living today? I have no idea. You have to have an idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I couldn't just pick one. Pick four. Pick four. For whatever reason, right? Yeah, of course. It could be an actor, an athlete. It could be a fitness person. Oh it could be gosh. anyone. Political, anything. Four people. It would be Michael Johnson, one of them. Just because he was such an inspiration to me my entire life. Mm-hmm. I had posters of him all over my room. It he helped me through so many things. So just to shake his hand and say thank you, that would be it. Um, Mia Michaels, she's an amazing choreographer. I think she's a, she's brilliant. I would love to just ask her a bunch of questions. That's more personal. Three. Oh, my gosh, it's so hard. Who's your favorite actor? <laughs> uh, Denzel Washington. Okay, favorite actress. I knew you were going to switch it up. <laughs> I don't have a favorite actress. I really don't. I don't. I don't have one. All right. Gabrielle Anwar. <laughs> That's everyone's favorite She's actress. She's going to get so mad at me. That's everyone's favorite actress. <laughs> well, what's it like training Gabrielle Anwar? Because she's been on the show. She's not only a incredible person but she's a tremendous energy what's it like training gabrielle gabrielle anwar is the star of the tv show burn notice she's been in many uh major films she's you know a successful actress but she's also a uh, anatomy at 1220 member who's very um into her health but she did mention that she doesn't love to train she trains because she knows it's good for her and she did say some very nice things about you how talented you are and how you're intelligent you are what's it like training her gabrielle's amazing you i love all my clients i'll be very honest i'm very lucky but when when i come in or when she comes in before after a session she's like that light that comes in and i'm like yes i get to train her and it doesn't mean I'm not like that with anybody else, but she really makes me smile. One, she's really, really funny. We get along really well, but she works so hard, and she complains after she did something. She never does it during. She never does it before because she knows there's a purpose behind it. There's a reason why we're doing whatever we're doing and she'll say something afterwards. We'll laugh about it. But she works so hard. And she doesn't realize how far she's come. When I, when I met her, she 
it was, you know, I didn't want to work out. I don't like working out. I have very low energy. I don't know how you're going to train me. I don't know what you're going to do. And she comes in early and she's warmed up before we start. How did that happen? I don't know. She doesn't exactly <laughs> live next door either. So her she doesn't. Traveling to train with you is a huge compliment. But I almost feel like Gabrielle doesn't want people to know how tough she is. She doesn't want to admit it. I think that she almost looks at that as not being good, but she's pretty tough, right? She's amazing. Her form, she picks up things so quickly. It's uh, it's amazing. She picks it up very well. She's very aware of her body. Mentally, she's on point. And uh, I don't I don't know how much I give to her, but I get a lot from her. Mm-hmm. She's she's awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule for being on the Magna Method podcast. I really appreciate it. It was terrific, and hopefully we'll have you back again. Thank you very much, Jacqueline. Thanks, Mark. I'm so happy.